Less of us, more of him. The Way, 101.1 FM. Current events. Personal values. Political and social issues. Technology. Wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. The U.S. State Department is sending an official to Israel to push what we'll call their too-late solution. Pastor Mark will explain. And if prophecy was a pantry, we're all stocked up on pestilence, plagues, disasters, and the cream sauce of corruption. From high heat to vaccine deceit, when it comes to prophetic fulfillment, the world isn't missing a beat. So we cordially invite you to take a seat as we explore the signs of the times. Our weekly review of Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news for Friday, September 9th. 2022 and we've got a pantry full of podcasts for you to enjoy when you subscribe through apple iHeartRadio, spotify stitcher or google or if you want to see how the sausage gets made you can watch episode 232 directly on the way media app or hit us up at thewaymedia.net where you can also read the articles from this show or ask pastor mark a prophecy question which we've got several for this week And now, here to separate prophetic fact from the world's fiction is Pastor Mark, who has written yet another book. This time, though, it's How to Fall Down Stairs. Well, it's not really a book, but it's more like a step-by-step guide. (laughs) Yeah, step-by-step, depends on how fast you tumble. Yes. Yeah, no, that's good. I like that. I like that. And by the way, I got some great comments on your joke last week. I thought it was horrible. Oh, people liked it. They did. They they liked it. Yeah. yeah. And so you never know. You I was never about know ready gonna... to start hiring a joke writer. No, I mean, they, you did great. Okay. And uh, your little rhymes. I mean, the man, okay. the man on the loose is Dr. Seuss. I mean, you're right, yes. across the, you're, you're right on the other side there of the glass. Yes. I get to say that. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Are yep. you having a good day? I am. It's, good. it's yes. a good day. Good day. Uh, this is going to be a good show. We've got a lot of good articles, and we've got a lot of good listener questions as well. And we can't emphasize that enough, how much we appreciate the questions, because there's a lot of people that uh, have the same question, and maybe they don't write in. So it's not only good to answer these individual people, but it's also good uh, to answer this question for other people uh, that will be listening at a later time. Right. So with that, That's we right. are going to get into our articles. And we'll uh, hit the questions in a little while. But first, let's go over to Israel, uh, where Israel 365 News is reporting a Biden official is visiting the region to push a two-state solution, which I'm calling a too-late solution, convincing Israel to curtail anti-terror operations uh, this is just not good. Yeah, they had to add that in there, didn't they? It, didn't you know, they? Again, yes. it never ends on the two-state solution. Eventually, there will be a dividing of the land and whatever that comes up to. And I'll I'll read that verse in a moment. Um, but yeah, but they have to tie in the anti-terror. Well, just here, the U.S. State Department has sent Assistant Secretary for Near Eastern Affairs Barbara Leaf to the region. Her mission reportedly is to pressure Israel. Uh, Israel into making concessions to the Palestinian Authority. The stated objectives of the concessions are to improve the quality of life for the Palestinian people and to move closer to reaching the mis, uh, misnamed two-state solution. A security official who took part in the meetings uh, with Leaf said the Americans are very upset. The number of Palestinian deaths worries them, and they fear the dynamics of Judea and Samaria have increased activities with the increased activities of the uh, IDF will continue. Again, the two-state solution would create an unprecedented militarized Palestinian entity inside the two borders of Israel that have both been ethnically cleansed of Jews with its exclusively Muslim capital in Jerusalem. That's what they want to do. Here's the bottom line. Uh, you know, the world wants two states over there, Israel and Palestine, they say. Uh, many people don't realize there's never been a Palestine. Um, I mean, there, Rome called it that because yeah. of the hatred Adrian. of the Jews. But there's never been a state of Palestine. Even Rome didn't recognize 
the state of Palestine. They just called the land and the area of Palestine because they hated Israel and the Jews. So there's never been a nation of Palestine ever. They just called that name that region. So they're trying to create one for the first time, and that may surprise some people that it's never even been there. And that's something you don't want to do. We don't want to be on that end. God says it's his land and he's given it to the Jews. So the last thing you want to do is go against God. So if we're pushing for that land to be divided and give part of it to a group of people called the Palestinians, we're basically, in essence, fighting against God. And uh, that's something is not a good place you want to be as a nation. That's not going to bring good blessing or good consequences. However, um, there's two things here. Number one, again, you notice they're, they're using the whole thing here. There's the two-state solution about divide the land up, which has been there for years. But then there's also this to curtail anti-terror operations. These anti-terror operations are basically self-defense. It would be better to, better to say they want to go over there and try to stop Israel from using so from much defending themselves. So much self defense. Yeah, it's like too many people are dying. It's like if ten people break into your house to kill you, only kill seven of them. You know, let the other three live and rape your family and kill them. But don't just kill seven. Let three of them still rape you yeah. and kill you. No, you kill all ten if ten come in your house to kill your family. So what we're saying is you're killing all the bad guys. Stop killing all the bad guys and save some bad guys. So it's it's frustrating to see how how foolish we are and how blind we are and the fact yeah. that we you know we don't know God and we don't know what God's word says about it. Uh, but you know the Bible does say, Greg, that uh, there will be a dividing up of the land in some form and fashion. And I want to make a note of that uh, in, in jo- uh, Joel chapter three. God's speaking about this in the last day. He says this verse two. Uh, talking about the final end when he judges the nations. I'll gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. That's the Kidron Valley is is the valley of Jehoshaphat right there between the Mount of Olives and um, and the Temple Mount and that heading down that direction. That's the, the valley of Jehoshaphat. He's going to gather the peoples there and he's going to enter into judgment with them there. On account of my people, my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations. And that is historically. They've also divided up. Note this, they've also divided up my land. Mm. Now, we talk about God giving the land to the nation of Israel, but the reality is it's God's land. Everything belongs to him, but he chose to give it to the Jews and let them use it, although it's ultimately his land. Like, everything we own is the Lord's. We know that. Right. But God lets me live in the home he gave me. He lets me drive the car that I have, but it's really his home. It's his car. He created everything, and he owns all of it. But he's like, I'm going to let you because you're in my family. You're my kid, and so this is the home you're going to live in, the car, you know, but et cetera. Well, the land is his too. But he said, I've chosen the Jews to live in this land. But notice this, you're dividing up my land. He says, they've cast lots for my people and given a boy as payment for a harlot and sold a girl for wine that they may drink. It's interesting. I, uh, you know, the land being divided up, and he goes right into the fact of our children being sold for nothing, which is what we're seeing happen with a lot of this sexual stuff happening today. That's a whole other prophetic study yeah. we could do. But anyway, that's what this article's about. Uh, he's talking about people like America and this uh, Barbara Leaf, uh, if you will, and she's doing, I'm sure, what she's called to do. But the reality is, he's saying, look, you're taking, you're messing with my land. W- what you need to do, America, is say, look, that land is, you know, we sing in America, this land is your land, this land is my land. We need to be singing about Israel. This land is God's land. This land is the Jews' land. Uh, you know, I'm not going to touch it. And um, that's it. So, didn't rhyme, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> so, but the reality is, you know, hands off. Yeah. Let God deal with it. And God says, I'm going to enter into judgment with the nations that divide my land. Yeah. So that means he's going to enter in, into judgment at some point. If we help to do that, he'll enter into judgment at some point with America. So scary stuff. Yeah. You know, it reminds me also, too, there in Exodus when uh, the Israelites were uh, grumbling and complaining to Moses. And God tells him later in the verse, or later in that chapter, he says, Moses, essentially he says, they're not complaining uh, about you. They're complaining about me. God took it personally. That's right. It was God's church. Moses was just the mouthpiece. And so it's like, okay, well, the Jews might be in the land, but... It's God that owns the land that's and right. wants the Jews sitting there. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. God's land, yeah. and and He takes it very seriously. And and you know the, uh, the reason, especially there, Greg. I think He takes it. He speaks of that so personally. Yeah. It's where His throne's going to be. Think about yeah. it. His throne is going to be there, and that's why Satan mocks it, attacks it. That's why the Temple Mount is, is you know, defiled today. You know, again with all this going on, because Satan wants to. He wants to be on the throne. He wants to sit there, and so it's it's a real. God says, "No, this is my special spot." And you know, in the universe, and I we don't know. We'll find out. But I wonder if, besides the third heaven where God's abode is eternally, I wonder if current Jerusalem is going to change when the Lord comes back. Topographically, we know the Bible talks about that. But I, I personally believe that it is the center of the universe. 
Everything right there. I think that's the center of all create all the stars, everything. I think we're going to find out one day it's all right there in the middle of everything created. Interesting. And in addition, yeah. in addition, the Bible does say God God says over and over and several times in the Bible that the earth literally has foundations. And you don't think about something round that floats in space having a foundation. But he said he he constantly refers to the foundations of the earth. It's interesting. They talk about all the rock that's there, and it's solid rock down underneath there, and all the, it's, everything's rock there. I believe that Jerusalem and the Temple Mount is the central point for the foundation of the entire planet. Hmm. So it's going to be the focal point, I think, of the universe, the focal point of the entire planet. It's where God's throne's going to be, and so Satan, again, focuses in especially on that, and that's why it's been so attacked, and, and, and even today still is. So I think there's a lot of interesting things to find. You know, even the rock that gets pushed up when we talked about yeah. the topographical change. That'll take right. place. I think that's those, that's those big rock foundations put, being pushed up, and the big pillar of the earth's foundation being in place, and the Lord put his throne there, and it's what holds all things together, even as Christ in Colossians holds all things together by his power. You know, interesting, I, I wonder if there's other components of God's design that are spiritual in nature yeah. and are hidden from our view right now, Yeah, but are maybe part of the context of yeah. what you're just talking I'm about, sure. and that when we go to be with him, all of those things will be revealed, and we'll see all of these magnificent things like around the earth, like maybe literal pillars or something yeah. that's holding the earth in place from a spiritual perspective yeah anyway it's just kind of well, neat to think about well, again one last comment we'll move yeah. on but i you know we got to i found this big underground area underneath the temple mount i'd never seen before uh that we uh, that tracy and my wife and i went into so last you got time off we were the there. tour again didn't you no this is the time i was there oh. without the tour i was teaching in israel <laughs> that's at the Bible college yeah, yeah, yeah oh yeah tour. oh okay yeah. you wandered on your own and found yes, us yes. yes and and it's it's a it's a tourist location we just they don't take the tourists there yeah. so i never knew about it but we were wandering around the old city and we went around the side that down up from the damascus gate down below and found it and it's this just massive big open cave area underneath the temple mount and it's just solid rock i mean it's just it's just rock rock you look around and you can see where they carved out rocks they went and they took rocks to build it it's part of the quarries they used as well as solomon's quarries next door to it may even be officially included in solomon's quarries but i've always thought of solomon's quarries as being over there where they show us on the other side it's probably both but you can see where they chiseled out the the rocks where they chiseled out and you just see it was solid rock that they went back in there and chiseled out and it's just it's just all rock wow it's just, i believe the foundation of the earth well i'm sure we'll see more of that yes, later will. on yes, yes we, we will, will. All right, let's get into some pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption. Uh, We've got plenty of that for us today. Our first article comes from Israel 365 News. The head of vaccine safety research there in Israel says Israel deliberately lied about the COVID vaccine health risks. Yeah, we are not surprised. Yeah, well, you know what? Honestly, I, w- I would be more surprised, Greg, if it was here and everywhere else. But Israel, it surprises me a little bit. And here's why. And we'll get into the article yeah. in a second. But I'm, it surprises me that Israel would hide anything about what's going on with the, the, the shots they took and all that happened with that. Because they are so much on their guard about the whole world trying to get them. And the fact that it's, it's, you know, you would think that they'd be going, oh my goodness, you know, they were the nation. They, they secured with Israel specifically as a test case for the world, if you remember. I don't know what you remember, but Pfizer I remember. specifically yeah. negotiated with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu yeah. to make Israel the test case that everybody in the nation would get this, the Pfizer shot to find out what the results are. And so in one way, they were happy because now we're being saved from COVID or whatever. But now they found out a lot of the, uh, the, the bad results of, of that many people were experiencing from it and that they would hide it. I would think they'd come out screaming going, guys, stop. We got to tell everybody what's going on. So it kind of surprises me, actually. Hmm. Um, I'm but, not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that they got involved to the depth that they did in taking the shot. Yes. Knowing yes. what we've known, but yet God's got their eyes blinded. Yeah, that's right. To that's right. these truths. Well, and, and remember with Israel again, I just want to make sure you guys know that before I even get into the article, they're yeah. having they're having huge repercussions from the shots over there, but remember, they pushed multiple shots yes, on the did. whole nation. I mean, they may take as many as 5 and 6 of these shots. They were leading the world. I yeah, think them yeah. and and wasn't it Malta? The island of Malta was one of the places. You know, I don't remember the and, other one. Um, I know that's where they made there, milk there was balls. Like, yes. <laughs> Sorry. There was two or three. There was two or three places in the world where it was near one hundred percent. Yeah, Israel um, was one of them. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, you really couldn't have much life over there if you didn't. No. If you didn't do, and, and and so they pushed everybody immediately to four. Boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. And I think Greg, they even went to five and six for some people. I'm not sure. So the result is though, there's so many vaccines that they've pumped into the people over there. They're starting to see some really bad adverse effects. Root. Yeah. And 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 so you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, the Bible talks about, and, and again, I know it's going to be. It's not going to be until the great tribulation. I realize that. But who knows the delay with these multiple shots they've all taken over there? Who knows the delayed reaction? You know, um, the, the Bible says that the Antichrist is, you know, there's going to be two-thirds of the Jews put to death during the Great Tribulation time. Now, that's going to be the Antichrist putting them to death, but you wonder um, if there's any factor in some of the last day stuff because of this. You wonder. But even let me read some of this. It says, yeah. in a scathing letter published on Friday, the executive director of uh, the Vaccine Safety um, Research Foundation, Steve Kirsch, accused Israel's health ministry of deliberately covering up, covering up, and I quote, serious safety problems in the COVID shot. He adds that they only began aggregating safety data in 2021, that is December, one whole year after the launching to the public. So they didn't gather any info until after it. At that time, the health ministry appointed an external expert panel led by Professor Matty Berkowitz, uh, a leading Israeli expert on pharmacology and toxicology from ASAF Harafe Hospital to review the safety data they gathered over the next half of year. And the panel presented their findings to the health ministry in 2022 in a Zoom meeting, and they call, the, the call was recorded. It was secretly recorded, and they didn't know it. So he got a recording of that call, and that's mm. what he's referring to. According to their findings in the, in the call, the COVID shots were far more dangerous, they said, in that meeting about it, than international health authorities were admitting, or that they claimed. The panel discovered, again, serious adverse events. Pfizer or any world government never disclosed those side effects, contrary to what the public was told. The panel concluded that the Israeli government misled the people of Israel. That's what the panel concluded. He has it on recording, right? But they didn't release that. Kirsch fears that the data doesn't cover all adverse events as, and I quote, the outside team only looking at the top five most frequent sided events. So he's saying, hey, they didn't even cover the main things that are happening. And I'm afraid there's even worse adverse effects. And they've taken five or six of these shots. And so you put that much of an untested element in your body. Um, there's going to be adverse effects. And so they're seeing it now in Israel. They have, they've had uh, enormous death rates from the shot and uh, a lot of side effects neurologically that they've had sterilization in the men and women, high percentages of sterilization among the, the younger men and women, high percentages of myocarditis. I mean, it's a mess over there. Okay. Is they, that term, it's a hot mess. Yeah. It is. Uh, but his thing is like, look, okay, it happened. We can't take it back. All the shots they took and this test case for the world, but admit it and let the world know and say, you're holding back info. So he's pushing this really hard and getting info out. It'd be interesting to see where this lands and how this ends up as far as um, the world's concerned, because as you know, there's a lot of resistance to bringing anything adverse to, um, to these shots when it comes to saying, look, maybe we should talk about this some more before we just blaze forward and keep moving forward. Exactly. I, I just want to share um, an article really quick. It's not in our stack, but it's, it's an article that I had sent you during the week. And it, the, the wording just really fits what we're talking about here. This is an article from Fox News that talks about a stand-up comedian and Netflix star, David A. Arnold, dead, dead at age 54. I saw that, yeah. Okay? Now, it, this, is, this is the statement to the Los Angeles Times that his family revealed the upsetting news writing. We confirm the untimely passing of our husband, father, brother, and friend David passed away peacefully today in his home, and doctors have ruled the cause of death due to natural causes. How many 54-year-olds just die? Greg, the numbers... I mean, of, 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 of natural causes. Not yeah. to say you don't have cancer or heart disease, yeah. or there's there's usually something that you can link to medically yeah. in a coroner's well, report. So You know, Greg, they forced... You're exactly right. And they forced all these athletes to take all these multiple, not just the normal round, but boosters and everything, you know, to play on the teams and all that. And, and, and normally, here's what happens. In all years recorded past, you have about five to ten, usually five on the low end. There have been some years it's gotten as high as ten, but usually around five per year, athletes that die on the field from some type of heart-related condition. We've all heard of that growing up. Somebody mm-hmm. playing basketball. Yeah. Times. Five to ten a year. In 2021, after they started the shot program and this whatever, they had well over 300 alone that died the the percentage is astronomical that has gone up the numbers that have just uh dropped dead 
and you, you hear everybody dancing around it. Oh, it's there. In, in, in now they're saying possibly sweet and low co- is causing it in Europe. Believe it or not, in Europe, they're having this worse than us. And they're saying over in Europe because they just had another couple of, of their maiden soccer players die in their 30s, 20s, whatever. Yeah. And they're saying, oh, it's tea. We now we now found out that tea can cause heart attacks. Like, Guys, they've been drinking tea over there since I, the time Jesus showed exactly, up in the garden. Exactly. They probably had tea time for Adam and Eve anyway. <laughs> so so my point is, is that yeah. you're seeing these places that have been pushing the multiple shots. They have horrible yeah. um, deaths going on and it's and it's being it's being held back it's being hidden the truth's not coming out and a lot of these guys are saying enough you if the world needs to know this let's talk about it and it's more of just come on guys let's be honest and talk about what's going on so I, my heart breaks for the israelis we love the jewish people although they're unsaved and and we but we know that they're going to be part of the family there's going to be an outpouring of the spirit in the last days even as we love the church we love the yeah. jews and so our heart is for the nation of israel pray for the nation of israel and for these difficult times and pray for our world because Again, the Bible says in the last days there will be plagues, extraordinary plagues, and I think we're seeing that begin. COVID, I think, was one of these last days, extraordinary plagues, and that fits a category of anything like this. And I don't think we're done. I think we're going to see more of this, not trying to be discouraging. I'm just being honest so we can be prepared mentally and know that Jesus will be our protector and our guide. We need to be in prayer. Absolutely. Jesus, all the things he mentioned there in Matthew 24 were were written in a language that speaks of exponential, that that these things would be increasing. Exactly. Not not that they would just be anomalies, but they would be there and that they would all be increasing. And we're seeing all of the things that he talked about, and we're going to talk about some of those in our articles today. Uh, you know, they're increasing in concert with yeah. one another as yeah. well. Yeah, but it's a song we don't want to sing. No, that's right. Uh, the Blaze is reporting that a new peer-reviewed study is finding that ivermectin reduces COVID deaths by 92%. Boy, is this is this article late or what? And isn't this isn't this the drug that the proponents of the vaccine were attacking that was only used on animals? Greg, this was so mocked. Let's talk a little bit yeah. about ivermectin even before I get into this. Okay. Uh, is is ivermectin used in animals as an antiviral? Yes, but here's what people don't realize: there's two different types. Well, but there? so is so is penicillin. Yeah. Uh, so is um, um, amoxicillin. So is I mean, in other words, everything that people use, almost everything that people use in the medical realm, animals use. When I take my animals to the doctor, they give them these the same you know um, antibiotics. Oftentimes, they just give it in a smaller dose. So it'd be the same as me saying, "You're going to take that penicillin for your strep throat." My dog takes penicillin. What are you doing? <laughs> Are you a nut? You be, wait a minute. So yeah. that doesn't mean it's an it's not a valid treatment. What My dog drinks is, water. What it I means mean, is, is flesh is flesh. Yeah, and people and animals are made of it, and this kills those things that make it. You know, you say, and it makes you better. So here's the thing: a lot of people don't know as well, and of course you do if you've listened to Signs of the Times or any length of time. But ivermectin won the Nobel Peace Prize yeah. in 2015, 2015. Yeah. for people <laughs> for the use. In people. So, is it also used in animals? Yes, but that doesn't mean you're taking animal dewormer by having ivermectin any more than the dog taking penicillin means that that, that you're giving you're, you're that somehow penicillin is a dog medication. No, it's 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 a life saving antibiotic. Both of these go back and forth in man so in man and animal. So it was presented in such a false, yeah. dishonest way. And of course, Greg, follow the money. Yeah, the real reason we know there's a spiritual reason all this is happening. But in man's viewpoint, if you can do away with all the cheap stuff, this stuff's like a dollar or two a pill yeah. as compared to $500 a pill or whatever tr- yeah. a treatment, right. then the, the pharmaceutical companies are not making money, so they don't want you taking it. So what do you do? You slander it and say that you're taking animal whatever, and people don't get better. And now they're saying, look, ivermectin is what kicked this thing. And yeah. if people have just been taking ivermectin from the beginning, Greg, get this. Nine, what this means is, theoretically, and I think medically, 92% of the deaths we have worldwide from COVID would not have happened had we allowed the use of yeah. ivermectin. You know, what's interesting. Think about that for a minute. What's interesting, Pastor Mark, uh, is that we forbid our professional athletes from betting on the games that they play in because doing so could influence the outcome of those games. Right. But yet we let our publicly elected officials invest in companies of which they have governance over them yes. with the laws that are passed. Yes, Dr. Fauci was highly invested in these medications that were used. So were others. Not to get political, but 
it's just the facts. It is just the fact. These I mean, are facts. Th- and, that, and that's just an issue of greed yeah, right this there. This is an opinion. This yeah. is something. Anybody or listeners, go out there, get the facts. They're easy to find. You won't find anybody. Oh, I mean, they'll, they still, it's amazing to deny it, but you can't. Here it is. Let me, I didn't even read the article, yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to read just a few, little bit of it. Okay, sure. listen. Yes. A new peer review. That means that many of doctors reviewed it and all agreed that from the numbers and data they saw, this was accurate. A peer-reviewed study found that regular use of ivermectin reduced the risk of dying from COVID-19 by 92%. Oh, my goodness. I think about these people that knew this and fought against it on Judgment Day. I would not want to trade places with them. The large study was conducted by Flavio A. Cardogiano. Actually, Gianni. MD, MSC, PhD. Um, MSNBC HDTV. <laughs> He's got a lot of degrees. He has a postcard for a business card. Yes. Uh, yes. Cartagiani is a board-certified endocrinologist with a master's degree and a doctoral degree in clinical endocrinology. The peer-reviewed study was published on Wednesday by the online medical journal Surus. The study was conducted on a strictly controlled population of 88,000 people from Itajai in Brazil. But of those 88,000, they found that 92% would have survived and did survive by ivermectin as compared to people that did not take ivermectin and died. I just, it's I, amazing. I, well, here's the frustrating thing. Had yeah. we not known this until just now, you go, wow, I wish we'd have had this knowledge. Wish we'd have just known but the ivermectin. We've known. They knew. That's what yeah, gets they me, knew. Greg. Yeah. They knew. We now the the the, the and the uh, the the emails and think they're being released now. And as a matter of fact, Dr. Fauci has to release some some emails that are going to reveal reveal some more things here within thirty days. A federal judge just ruled. Um, and and you know it was just for finances. It was purely to get rich. And I just like you're playing with people's lives to make money. What do you think, God? How do you think Jesus Christ is going to deal with that on Judgment Day? Again, I would not want to trade places with Dr. Fauci or any of those that have done these things. It is unbelievable. Yeah. All right. Uh, you are listening to Signs of the Times. It's our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news for Friday, September 9th, 2022. This is a broadcast that we turn into a podcast, 232, mm-hmm. that you can listen to later. Yes, we magically do it. Yes. Magically delicious. It's magically delicious. Nutritious yes. or something. And, you know, speaking of the articles that Pastor Mark uh, gets to reading at some point after he gets done talking about them. <laughs> I received it's too that, funny. I no, received that rebuke. No, 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 no. It's fine. Here, here's, here's what people need to understand. This is another reason why we post the articles, because first of all, some of these articles are very long, and we're not going to read every jot and tittle. That's right. Uh, Pastor Mark is just going to read the, the highlights of the things that he wants to bring to the surface as we're talking about these things, but we make these articles available so you can read the entire article that has a lot more information than we just have time to share because this is only an hour long show. Yeah. So that's right. Just wanted to yeah, no, put that's that, great. Put that they, plug, find the articles put there. That plug in. So they know that we have the articles and we've done the yes. research and here here it is. You can this saves you a lot of time, but you need to do your own homework. Absolutely. So let's head to the New York Times for our next article in Pestilence, Plagues, Disasters, and Corruption, where we see famine is at the door yeah. in Somalia, according to the UN. Yeah, Matthew twenty four again says in the last days famine will increase. The United Nations on Monday declared again the famine's at the door at Somalia as nearly half the country's population face severe hunger and food deliveries, which are impeded by conflict, mass displacement, and ever-growing threat from the militant group Al-Shabaab. The declaration comes as the Horn of Africa nation is being ravaged by the worst drought in four decades, and as the prices of grain, fuel, fertilizer have skyrocketed because of Russia's war in Ukraine. Across Somalia, four consecutive poor rainy seasons have decimated crops and livestock, leaving hundreds of thousands of Somalis malnourished and hundreds of children dead. Declaring famine is unusual, but can be designated if... 20% of households in an area face an extreme lack of food. 30% of children there suffer from an acute malnutrition. And if two adults or four children out of every 10,000 are dying every day. So that's kind of the definition of famine. And what that means is they're on the verge of that. This is major. And we're going to see, again, more and more famines in the last days. And and by the way, guys, I don't find any joy in telling you this. I, I rejoice that we're closer to the Lord's return and we see the signs. But it breaks my heart to say, you know, we're not seeing the results of all these food stoppages. They're, they're shutting down the fertilizer right now. They're shutting down farms around the world. Uh, all these things. When, when all this kicks in, which I think is spiritual and part of what the enemy's doing, 
you talk about famines, there's going to be famines worldwide. And we're going to have scarcity. It's going to drop back here in America. Although I don't think we're going to experience a an Africa-type famine. Uh, I do think we are going to find it harder to find products and, and that we normally like. And, and it's, going to get, uh, it's going to get interesting. Well, you know, what's interesting is the fact that you just pointed out something that, you know, when we think about the maladies that Jesus talks about in Matthew 24, we think about them in in terms of their natural occurrence, like earthquakes, for example, right? Um, pestilence, plagues, uh, those things. Uh, but we don't necessarily associate the cause as being man-made, right? Or man-initiated. Exactly. I never. We did. never did. We never. And did. it may not be hundred percent, but it's no. certainly partly. Right. Exactly. So you understand that the people behind these decisions to cut back fertilizer or whatever was it the Dutch government or Denmark or whatever yeah, it's Europe, th- uh, it's three nations okay. they're, they're taking 30% of their farms there's a, there's a plan to get a certain percentage yes. they're taking 30% okay. of their farms are blocking okay. fertilizer all okay. around the world now please understand something you, you can you can identify those individuals those leaders they've got names and that's fine but understand that First John five nineteen. They are under the influence of the enemy. That's this is right. satanically led. God in our DNA did not design us to starve ourselves. That's right. To kill ourselves. That is not in our natural nature. Is God designed? Right. That is a supernatural push of the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We've always got to be mindful of that because in our prayer life, we've got to be praying against those powers and principalities yeah. in heavenly places, not at necessarily against those individuals because they're just under the influence yeah yeah the demonic realm is moving those yes. who see themselves as exactly the elite yes to basically do away with those that aren't needed and to take the world over and control them and you do that with food and gas and supplies that's exactly what's happening it is a spiritual thing happening last days demonic stuff and what core sin drives an elite mindset yeah pride yeah yeah Right from the garden. I'm greater. Right from the garden. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, it, everything that we can see originates right there from Satan. Well, you see this Yuval Noah Harari yes. that we talk about. He talks about the fact that, well, you know, we need to do away with the insignificant, you, you know, uh, useless eaters. Useless eaters. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and let them all get drugged up and play video games. He literally yes, said that. Yes, he did. While the rest of us, we can run the world. I mean, this yeah. is this is the spirit of Satan. They're being uh, deceived in their pride, their arrogance. But that's where we're going, and yeah. that's what's going on. It's, it's just, we see it. Yep. Fox News is reporting California wildfires are spreading as the state gets walloped by a brutal heat wave. Yeah, you know, Greg, we got a, a prayer request today for one of the people in our fellowship. With yeah, their I sisters saw that. Having yes. it getting, yeah, and I heard of somebody else in California being run out of their home by this. So this thing's really bad. As they always have these fires, but now it's hitting a couple of people that I'm that I know of. That it makes it more real. But a series of wildfires spreading throughout California as the state battles one of the worst heat waves in history. On Wednesday, the wildfires were burning out of control in Southern California and the Sierra Nevada, forcing evacuations. The deadly Fairview fire grew. To nearly nearly ten thousand acres near the uh, the city of Hemet, which is about eighty miles southeast of Los, Los Angeles, firefighters said it was only five percent contained. Now, again, where does this come in? Again, the Bible talks about the earth groaning. Romans eight twenty two. The earth's going to be groaning in the last days, and so uh, we see the earth groaning here. And so you're going to see more and more. We are seeing more and more of these kind of things, floods and these kind of things. You're going to see more and more of it. Now, let me ask you a question regarding that. Especially since this news article originates from California. Right. And we know that California has pretty much taken an anti-God stance in just about everything that they do. Yeah. And really has taken the stance about worshiping the earth. Basically everything that that Romans talks about, those that worship the uh, uh, creature rather than the creator. Right. God gives them over to a debased or a depraved mind, and we see the rules and the laws and all the things that are happening there. So in line with what you're talking about, which is true that, you know, the earth groans waiting for the Lord's return. Mm-hmm. Do you think that some of these things are that, or can some of these things be a judgment or a punishment or a chastisement directly from God? I, exactly when does his providence come in to that aspect yeah. of dealing with man or are all of these things just kind of 
maybe indiscriminately scattered across the world, but then his true judgment will come as it reads in Revelation. Uh, yeah, I think I think by looking at the overall situation, Greg, you find out sometimes it's both and they overlap. And I think the way to see that is, for example, if California was the only place experiencing natural disasters, you would say, okay, it looks like God's mm. hand of judgment and chastisement is on them. And I do believe that God is, you know, God says, if you turn against me, I'll turn up the heat. And quite literally, quite that's, literally you know, I'm putting yeah. in my own words, but quite yeah. literally, they're having yeah. the heat turned up. Uh, but at the same time, you see around the world, you see fires, you see flooding, you see these massive things happening. So you can see that uh, you can see the earth groaning at large. But then I think there's an extra chastisement that comes in for areas that really turn against God. So they kind of get a double whammy. I mean, you've already you've got, for example, the world's troubles, such as all the droughts around the world, famine. Now they're experiencing droughts in California. On top of that, now the fires. So in other words, the whole world is suffering together under the groaning. But you can make it worse in your area in the midst of the suffering by now bringing on the chastisement of God, which I think is also happening. So I think it's both going both. on in California. Yes, I believe that. Okay. All right, our last article in this category comes from Yahoo, and this just highlights another aspect, again, of Matthew 24. Uh, you know, Matthew 24, you can take everything that Jesus yeah. said, and it's like it's like plates on sticks, the guy in the circus spinning the plates and keeping yeah, all the plates moving. Right, this is right. what this feels like. Greece warns another European war could be on the horizon as Turkey hints at the possibility of an invasion. Yeah, what does the Bible say in Matthew 24? You will see wars and rumors of wars. We're seeing these wars right now with Russia and Ukraine and Iran and uh, Syria and all these other wars. That, then there's many more than that. Those are some of the main we see on the news. And then you're hearing now rumors of war, China threatening Taiwan, China threatening America. And now you see this whole thing with Greece and Turkey. Uh, he says, Greece is calling on its allies to condemn Turkey over a recent aggressive rhetoric from Turkish President uh, Erdogan, who was has hinted at the possibility of o- an open conflict as tensions rise between the two countries. In letters dated Monday and Tuesday to NATO and the EU and the UN that were reported on by the Associated Press, Greek Foreign Minister Nikos Dendias called for all three institutions to rebuke Ankara, over Erdogan's comments, you know, that is their their capital. Dendius said that allowing Turkey to continue threatening Greece would run the risk of yet another conflict in Europe, which is uh, uh, in an apparent reference to the war in Ukraine. So, uh, hey, we're, we're Turkey's threatening Greece. Greece is saying, back off. Everybody else get with us. Tell them to back off. You know, this kind of thing. So, again, wars, rumors of wars. Whether or not war will break out, we don't know. Not every place is going to have war because we know there's going to be wars and rumors of war. Uh, but we're seeing again. Now, this brings up another point when you see it happening worldwide. So we're seeing this worldwide tension growing. Um, you know, I mean, you know, just all over the world, all over the world. I mean, even here, people are talking, you know, the potential of a civil war in America. You know, you hear all that kind of talk on the news. Yeah. yeah. So there's rumors of war everywhere and war everywhere. This is very clearly a worldwide uh, thing going on which which fits right into the end days and end times process okay all right let's uh finish up our articles today with the church this is from fox news pastors battling skyrocketing burnout amid politics in the pandemic yeah. quote unquote wearing on the soul the yeah. article says. Yeah, let me read some of the article, yeah. and then we'll talk a little bit about I'm gonna, a couple things I want to point out here, and I, I'll, I'll look these uh, scriptures up here in just a second, because I want to call these up in a lot of this. But yeah. notice what it says. A staggering 42% of pastors have considered quitting full-time ministry, according to a recent study. I, you know what? I, I Let me just stop right there and say, being as a pastor now of, of, of you know, probably, how long have I officially been a pastor? At least 30 years. Um, and, and so, you know. 31. Well, uh, 33 years I've been saved, and about three years in, I thought I was you were. Ordained. I thought you were. I thought you were six, six years ordained when you planted this church. Well, you know, here's how easy to figure out. I got ordained oh. at 30, so 29 years. I'm okay. 59, so 29 years. That makes All it right. easy. I'll do it that way. Either way, 29 years, uh, an actual pastor, or whatever. I don't know. Now there may not be. I've I, I've never met a pastor that didn't want to quit at some point. So when it says staggering 42%, I'd say, I think more like 95% of pastors at some point go, uh, man, I can't do this. But when you're called, you're called. 
And listen to what it says. He's talking, and I guess I know what they're doing. They're talking about guys that are about to step down. I get that. A little bit different. But it's kind of when I read that, I'm like, guys, it's very normal to want to quit. That's called the spiritual battle. But let's go on. Bitter divisions over politics and pandemics have seeped into the church and led to increasing rates of job burnout among pastors. Multiple clergy members and those who counsel them, they, they told Fox News Digital. Uh, and I quote, our faith does not exempt us from anxiety, depression, temptation, or COVID. So that's to be expected, said David Ferguson, executive director of the Great Commandment Network, which provides counseling initiatives to help pastors. But in addition to that, we're obviously uh, real divided, polarized, uh, in a real divided, polarized political world, where sadly at times pastors feel the pressure to take positions on every imaginable topic. And they're saying, well, because of that, there's so much stress and so much pressure that they're wanting to quit. Well, let me just say this. We're in a spiritual battle, and I want to speak coming from a pastor's perspective and just kind of just say to these pastors, you're going to face opposition. You're going to want to quit. You're going to be beat up. But the Bible tells us that that's just part of being a pastor. You know, and again, that's just I'm not trying to say, you know, um, suck it up, but I kind of am, you know, tough it up. Come on. And let me read a couple things to you. What Paul encouraging Timothy, when he wrote his letter to the young pastor, Timothy, about these kind of things in second Timothy four, two. And I mean, again, I'm, I'm compassionate toward the hurting pastor. I've been that hurting pastor, but you, but you listen to what it says we're supposed to do when we hurt. Look at this. He says, preach the word. This is uh, chapter four, verse two of second Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not ex- uh, endure sound doctrine. So it doesn't matter how you feel, teach the word. And really, I probably should have read Second Timothy two three first, because let me read that what it says. Uh, speaking to Pastor Timothy, uh, Paul says this. He says, um, and let me start in verse two. He says, and the things that you've heard from me from the, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship. You have to. You're going to endure hardship. So tub it up, soldier. You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So let me back it up and say that should be first. Number one, to the pastors out there listening, we're, we have to endure hardship. And number two, whether we're enduring hardship or not, preach the word. Do you think that every time a pastor gets in the pulpit, he feels happy? Or that life's always good, or there's not a problem, or his marriage is not struggling, or a friend didn't just die, or somebody's doing something to the church, or in the church, or whatever. You know, we're all human. And so what God calls a pastor to do is, is do what a good soldier's going to do. You're in uniform, you've got your weapon, and the enemy's coming trying to kill everybody. Fight! Sure, it's depressing. I don't want to stand there and fight and be shot at and blood and guts and hiding and bombs going off. But you know what? That's what we're called to do. So we, we fight. We get up in the pulpit. We don't sit there and whine to the people. We, no matter how we feel, we say, God, give us strength and grace to be able to, to, to be a, an encouraging pastor to the people today. And we've got to do that. You know, I'm not saying we can't be human. Right. But I just, I read this kind of article and I go, you know what? I think a lot of these pastors that are, and again, for those that are just struggling and I get that I've been that, and, you know, I have compassion, but those that maybe go on for years and they find themselves continuing on, you know, wanting to quit year after year after year, maybe you should quit. Maybe you should, because maybe you're not really called. You have to endure hardship, and that doesn't mean we're superhuman. I'm not pretending that I'm Mr. Tough. And right. I, no, I get just yeah. as depressed and dark and heavy and all that yeah. kind of stuff, but you just suit up and keep going. You know, Pastor Mark, uh, when we see the calling of a pastor, and we see this illustrated for this in the Bible, uh, there is a level of sacrifice in dying to oneself that comes with the office of a pastor. Right. That is unlike any other, you know, officer position in ministry. Right. And we see this demonstrated for this by Jesus, John the Baptist, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and that is this: when when God put on their heart. To say the things that needed to be said to the people, which is going to be totally opposite of what the world is saying. Right. Okay? Right. You've got to have a greater fear of God than a fear of man. That's right. And part of that requires you to get away and be alone with the Lord. Oh, yes. And we Absolutely. See, and, we, and we see that illustrated for, that, for us in the scriptures. Yeah. These guys got away for a reason. Yeah. Not because they're pious, because they needed it. Yeah. They needed that supernatural filling, that supernatural time alone with the Lord yeah. 
to to build them up in such a way that surpasses the weakness of the flesh. Yes, now Greg, I'm so glad you said that because here that's something that I I'm, I'm glad you said so that it doesn't get left out of this. Yeah. It is only done. What I just said to do is only done by the power of the yeah. Holy Spirit. So when I'm saying endure hardship, it's not endure hardship in our own strength. None of us could make it. I wouldn't have made it. No pastor can make it in your own strength. So if you're a pastor trying to make it in your own strength, you're not going to make it. But the ones that make it are those that go to God on a regular basis every yeah. day, ask to be filled with the Spirit, walk in the power so that when you go through the dark, heavy, hard times, um, then you are going to be able to... Um, endure and overcome. You know, I'm, it's interesting, Greg. Just this week, God put a new book in my heart that I want to write. I've, I've written a couple of booklets, another small booklet, and it really comes along with the sequel the, to Falling Down the Stairs. No, no. You, you know, kind of yes. Okay. Uh, you know, you know, I, I did fall over a hundred feet one time. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, but I was sitting at the back of the bus, and it took forever to get back there. But anyway, um, so but but now now all all, all seriousness Sorry. all seriousness yes. aside. Yes. Um, anyway. Um, the booklet that's in my heart is 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 a booklet from a pastor's perspective, and really just anybody that's involved in the ministry, but I think administered to every Christian. And I think the title is going to be Silent Suffering. Mm. And and why so? Because I believe as in church leadership and as pastors and those, you cannot walk around just depressed all the time and with a sour face and always whatever. When you feel horrible, it, by the grace of God, you need to somehow not let the people know that. Moses. God struck his two sons dead because they were foolish and they went into his presence without first offering the blood sacrifice and doing everything the way God said to do it. They just ran in there in excitement. If you remember when the altar was dedicated, they were struck dead. God said, Moses, don't, don't, don't let the people see you weeping. Now think about this. It's a dad who just saw two of his boys. You think in one moment you think, was God being cruel? No, God's not being cruel. God's sons as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry, Aaron's sons. Oh, I'm sorry. Aaron, oh, it is Aaron's, I'm sorry. Yeah, Aaron. It is Aaron's sons. Thank saying. you for yes. yeah. I was saying Moses. Aaron's sons. He said to Aaron, "Don't weep," because here's the thing: if you weep in front of the people, you're saying basically to the people, mm. "God messed up." No, God didn't mess up. They brought judgment on themselves by doing this the wrong way that God had prescribed, and you've got to be that example to the people that this was God's design. I think of Ezekiel, who God said to Ezekiel, "Your wife's going to die today." Can you imagine hearing that? Your wife's going to die today. And he says, at evening my wife died. And he said, and you can't, he said, sigh inwardly. Sigh inwardly. But don't show it outwardly. So you can, you can mourn. It's okay to mourn and weep. Aaron, it was okay. He said, you can mourn and weep. Ezekiel, you can mourn and weep, but not in front of the people. Because the people need to see that God is giving them a sign. God is teaching them a lesson. God is showing them himself yeah. in some form and fashion. So you, as the person in front of God's people, you've got to be able to go through that silent suffering and oftentimes without anybody even knowing. And, and so if you, you know, if ministry can be a very lonely thing and even as life can be, but it's learning to walk by the spirit and the power of God and realize that even in the greatest suffering and suffering in silence and the greatest sorrow and depression, it is coming to an end and we have a great rejoicing one day. Listen, no doubt he missed his wife greatly when she died, but Mrs. Ezekiel was doing fine. She was in heaven going, praise the Lord, I'm in heaven. He's going, you Lord, yeah. my wife. Then when he died, guess what? Ezekiel and Mrs. Ezekiel are very, very happy and joy-filled right now. They're, they're, they're in the kingdom of God yeah. with Jesus Christ. So you have to be able to go, okay, this is not good right now. I don't like it, but I'm not going to quit. And without the power of the Spirit, I will. But God, help me. Give me your strength and power. And you move on in the power of Jesus Christ and, the, and then look toward the joy set before you. So yeah. hopefully that's a word for maybe a pastor yeah. today listening or somebody serving in ministry and you're going through a very hard time. Um, God sees your sighing. He sees your suffering. He's going to reward you. Be a faithful soldier. Seek his power in prayer. Uh, stay faithful and, and then let God do what he's going to do. One day your reward's coming and there'll be no more sorrow and no more sighing. Just joy and rejoicing. Amen. You've got All right. mail. We have got three listener questions to wrap up today's show with Pastor Mark. Uh, the first question comes from Jason, uh, who enjoys Signs of the Times in Huntsville, Alabama. And he's got a uh, question regarding digital currency he says as you've already discussed on the show the president's executive order intends to establish a digital currency for the u.s potentially uh being put in effect by mid-december of this year there are a number of other countries around the world doing the same thing and we understand from prophecy that eventually there will be a single currency under the rule of the antichrist 
Given the heavy push for this already, a world coalition could implement this kind of economic control much earlier than halfway through the Great Tribulation. Why do you think it will take at least three and a half years uh, to the Tribulation is so devastating, I don't know if I'm reading this correctly, uh, that all existing world currencies become instantaneously... Uh, you know, I totally missed something here. Here we go. No, you're... no, why do you think it will take at least three and a half years to implement this forced buying slash selling mandate if the technology and the will exist right now? Could it be that the first half of the tribulation is so devastating that all existing world currencies become instantaneously worthless and everyone will have to return to a barter-type system until a single currency can be implemented? Yeah. Yeah, you know, great question, uh, Jason. As far as a barter-type system, there could be something like that at some points, especially in different areas and different places, as you see the monetary system changing. Because we're talking now about if we do go digital, then what that's going to do to everybody's bank account. I mean, the government can literally get – they can reprice your money and say, okay, you've got 10000 in the bank, here's your 10000 digital currency, when really it's only 8000 but you don't know that because they put the digital currency price on it, and all the banks just changed it, and so you may be out $2,000 and not even know it. So there's all kinds of nefarious things that can happen with a sudden changeover digitally, and the, they're trying to get lots of money right now. For the, the, we talked about the Antichrist amassing, the, the world amassing funds and military for the Antichrist, even though we don't know who he is yet. So all this could be used for that, and there could be some bartering. I get that. Cows, chickens, you know, uh, tomatoes, whatever. You're, you, whatever you have, I get that. However, I think you're making a, an assumption here that the Scripture doesn't really make. And that is what you're saying, Jason, is you're assuming that it's not going to be until the three-and-a-half-year point that there's going to be a digital currency. The Bible doesn't say that. Uh, the digital currency is not uh, inextricably linked to the mark. Now, I believe the mark is going to be somewhere around the midway point. I do believe that. I think an argument and a scriptural argument could be made for that. But the digital currency could happen now. In other words, a digital currency could be in place before the Antichrist even shows up on the scene. And then, because all it says the Antichrist is going to do is he's going to come in and take over the world's monetary system. It doesn't necessarily say he's going to come in and make the monetary system digital. He's just going to come over and take whatever's there over, and it will become at some point, either before or after him, digital so we really could see it take place here before he even shows up the one thing the antichrist is going to do though that's going to be specifically him he's going to do all that but i mean as far as a moment in time where he's going to do that that's the mark of the beast but again remember the money change changeover could happen at any moment yeah and so it is it's going to be interesting to watch how this unfolds we know that right now china and russia are, are and iran are working on their own yeah. digital currency the west is working on theirs and so how this is going to all come together we yeah. don't know but but again we just know it's going to well and a lot of th- things too uh jason run concurrently That's right. you know they overlap. Uh, uh, there, there a lot of things overlap That's right. uh, you know for example you know we had cash and then we went from cash to check and those two things coexisted and then credit Right. in credit cards and whatever and now you can literally if you've got your credit card digitally loaded in your smartphone or your smart watch right you can literally through like apple pay or google pay wirelessly put that device up to the terminal and pay wirelessly so now you don't even have to have a physical credit card even the shirts have that mark even, in, yeah yeah do they really they have shirts now that, yes, you can scan your mark. smart shirts. Smart shirts. Now, they don't have smart pants, but I get it because nobody wants a smart pants. smart pants, exactly. <laughs> okay, you know, you know what? That, I know. I just, I, I'm sorry. That just deserved a reason. Okay, all right. Anyway, so it doesn't mean that, you know, something could happen mid-December, but that doesn't mean that all of a sudden cash vanishes at that moment. Right, I, right. I just... Again, I, big ships turn slowly yeah. in that sense, so I, I, we'll know, just Greg, have to see. No, we will. And you know what I think? I don't, I don't think, I personally don't believe there's going to be a sudden shift to digital in December. All it means is is that he can, by executive order, and he's threatened to. But when you, look, when you think about all the implications, now, could it happen? Yeah, it, it could. Let me just say this could happen. But I, I just I think that it's, it's going to have to be uh, something where it's coordinated really... I, I don't. You almost yeah. think worldwide, or, 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 or who knows? We'll we'll see. We'll see. But we know it's going there. Yes, there could be a partial barter. But at the, the bottom line is, is that we'll just have to wait and see. We don't, we don't yeah. know. But it's not limited to the three and a half year. That's the key I want you to get. Uh, Jeremy uh, from San Antonio, Texas. Pastor Mark is asking about the mark of the beast, and specifically, why does the mark of the beast take away a person's free will? 
to choose Jesus later as their savior. It is clear from the Bible that once you have the mark of the beast, you cannot choose God and go to heaven. How does the mark stop free will or God's desire to save people who got the mark with the knowledge of impending death. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think here's again, just I think a misunderstanding here, Jeremy. Great question. But uh, the Bible doesn't say that the mark takes away anyone's free will. It just says it takes away their their ability. Okay. Um, it, it doesn't say that you cannot choose God um, after you take the mark. It says you cannot be saved. And there's a big difference in not being able to choose God and not being able to be saved. So basically what's going to happen is this. Man's free will is going to stay intact uh, until the very end. But what, what God is saying is, if you take your free will and you choose to take the mark by your free will, you cannot be saved. Not that your free will disappears, but you're, it's, it's like a consequence. It's almost like, you know, if I, if I uh, you know, we're going to Niagara Falls here in a month or so or whatever. And so let's say I go to Niagara Falls, and if I choose to jump in the water, it doesn't mean that I can't swim, but it means I've lost the ability to make a choice about whether I'm going over or not. <laughs> I'm going to go over. I can't control it. That's a consequence. I made a choice to jump into a water that's going to take me and pull me over. But I still have the free will to go, I wish I hadn't done this. I wish I, and I could still swim and all, but there's no way. So it's not a matter of not being able to do it. Or it's not a matter of, of, of yeah, being blocked where you can't. It's a matter of, um, or it's, it's a matter of where you can't do it rather than your free will, I'm trying to say. Sorry. Um, so that's the, the thing to understand. So here's what's going to happen. And we discussed this earlier before the show. i got to be quick. We have one more question to go. But here's the bottom line. Revelation reveals that God is going to so make it clear to everyone on the planet that if you take that mark, you're going to be condemned, that everyone's going to be without excuse. He says he's even going to have angels flying around the earth preaching the gospel and warning, repent, repent, repent. Don't take the mark of the beast. So if, if, and the whole world's going to hear this. And so the pesky two witnesses. Yes. So the bottom line is, is that it's going to be so obvious that if you do it, you're going to be condemned. It's not a matter, a matter of now I've, I've, I can't because I've used my free will and I've lost my free will. No, it's a consequence of the wrong choice in free will. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Pastor Mark, our last question comes from Devin. And he wants to know, do you see this being a Shemitah year and the ending of one of the seven-year cycles as having any prophetic significance? Well, again, most people don't even know what a Shemitah is, so yeah. you are the... It sounds de- like something maybe you put on a bagel? Yes. No, this just shows you're the Devin in the details. And uh, this is, <laughs> here it is, just as the Torah... Let me, let me tell you what it is. This yes. is from my Jewish learning. Just as the Torah calls for Jews to work six days and rest on the seventh, it calls for them to work the land six... Uh, six days and rest the seventh and it calls them to work the land for six years and rest the seventh year so in the shemitah year debts are to be forgiven in that seventh year agricultural lands lie fallow private land holdings etc so what he's saying is this happens to be right now a shemitah year which means this would be a year if you were following jewish law you could not be a farmer you couldn't work your land everything has to lie fallow and so because it shows the end of a cycle and the beginning of a new cycle, some people believe that the Shemitah year may point to the rapture of the church. And since we have now the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of the Rapture coming up here, the 26th and 27th of this month, some believe that he's coming back on that day, on one of those two days or three days right there, he's going to be coming back. And they think the reason is, is we're that close to the end of the Lord's return, and it happens to be a Shemitah year, and they don't think we can go another seven years without the rapture. So therefore, that means this. I think you're, I think you're, in, in order to do that, you've got to jump to a lot of conclusions. Look, the Lord could come anytime. He could come today. He could come this month at, at the, at the Feast of Trumpets. But he said, no one knows the day or the hour, so we need to be ready at any moment. So I don't put a lot of stock really into the Shemitah year, if you will. I do believe God uses these things, but I personally don't think that we need to be looking at that meaning the Lord's going to come back. I think we need to be watching for the Lord all the time, every day. He said, blessed are those who are watching. No one knows the day or the hour. Mm -hmm. Could it be this September? Absolutely. Jesus Christ may come back this September. He may come back at this, uh, the 26th or 27th here, the Feast of Trumpets. He may. He may come before that. But the key is, is don't get too wrapped up in things like this because, again, it can get you sidetracked. And if you build your hopes up and it doesn't happen, then you're going to be disappointed that you're not taken out. And, and that can even hurt people's faith as far as that goes. So a great question, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would just always be ready and don't put too much into the Shemitah other than 
how to say it and the fact you understand what it is, and you can share that with other people. By the way, one last thing. Yes. If you're trying to follow the law, the law commands you also to follow the Shemitah, which means yeah. you have to quit working every seventh yeah. year. So if you think you're living by the law and you're still working on the seventh year, you're wrong. You've got to take that year off, and I don't know how you're doing that if you're really following the law. So the point is, don't follow the law. You're not under the seventh law. You're under Jesus Christ, and I'm going to make sure that people – that's a good yeah. point to point that out. So. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Pastor Mark, thank you so much. And folks, thanks for your questions. Again, if you've got a question, we encourage you to go to thewaymedia.net or download the Waymedia app. Navigate to Signs of the Times. You can see where you can send Pastor Mark your prophecy question and attached to each episode are all the articles that we discussed that you could read and links that will take you back to the original website if those links are still valid. All right. Another show in the books. Remember, normal is not coming back, but Jesus is. And if he doesn't come back before then, we'll see you next Friday at 1.30. 